0: Welcome to the Refine Your Health podcast with Dr. Dion. I'm a primary care physician, and now I can happily add podcaster. Tune in to each episode to hear great information on improving health outcomes, disease prevention, and overall community health advocacy. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into today's episode to improve your health. Hello listeners, this is your host Dr. Dion, and thanks for checking out this episode of Refine Your Health. And please don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can get the latest episode as soon as it is released. So today's episode is going to focus on GERD or better known as some people use it interchangeably with the term heartburn. So GERD is basically a term that stands for gastroesophageal reflux disorder or disease. It is important to talk about GERD And that is because according to the American College of Gastroenterology, 20% of the United States population has GERD. And so what is GERD? GERD is basically when the flow of contents from the stomach flow upward into the esophagus. That's the tube that takes the food down from your mouth into your stomach. Therefore, when you have these particular episodes of reflux of stomach contents back up into the esophagus or the feeding tube, it results in patients presenting with symptoms such as heartburn. That's why a lot of individuals consider GERD and heartburn pretty much the same thing, but no, GERD is a symptom of reflux or GERD. So another symptom is regurgitation. And so the difference between the burning sensation, which is heartburn, it results in a type of burning sensation in the chest behind the breastbone. And regurgitation is the feeling of fluid or food coming back up into the chest. And in some instances, as it relates to regurgitation, it may result in the food almost coming back up to the mouth where you may experience this bitter taste in your mouth. Sometimes patients may have a sore throat that won't go away, a cough that won't go away, asthma symptoms such as shortness of breath or a cough. Some individuals feel like there's a lump in their throat, pain with swallowing chest pain. Sometimes individuals may feel like they have food that sticks in their throat when going down. Some individuals may even feel nauseous, frequent burping, or frequent episodes of throwing up. Also, individuals may experience a scratchy sounding voice or hoarseness. Now, alarming symptoms. Now, I mentioned chest pain as a potential symptom of reflux or GERD. And chest pain with activity such as climbing some stairs, that's an alarming symptom because could it be related to reflux? But the most concerning thing that you think about when you have chest pain, of course, is a heart attack. So that is an alarming symptom where individuals should seek immediate or I should say emergent medical services. Additional alarming symptoms would be significant loss in weight without trying. So that's basically unintentional weight loss. Some individuals may have red or black bowel movements or stools, throwing up blood or material that looks like coffee grounds. That's an emergent or alarming symptom that may be related to reflux that needs to be evaluated immediately, as well as choking while eating or trouble swallowing food and liquids. Those are alarming symptoms that should be investigated immediately by a primary care provider, or preferably if it's that significant, it should be seen by an emergency medical provider in the emergency room. So now that we've talked about the most common symptoms related to reflux or GERD as well as the alarming symptoms where you need to seek immediate emergent medical evaluation. Let's talk about the causes of reflux. Let's talk about the basics first and foremost. So what basically keeps the contents in the stomach where it does not back up into the esophagus or the feeding tube? So there's a valve that's at the end of the esophagus that closes off once food or liquid passes through the esophagus into the stomach. And so that prevents food from backflowing into the esophagus. Of course, then you have gravity that keeps the food down as well as your diaphragm or your breathing muscles that help keeps the food down into the stomach. However you experience reflux when you have a defect in those particular barriers that prevent the food from backing up into the esophagus. So let's talk about the causes of reflux is when the flow of gastric acid that's the acid from the stomach as well as bowel flow back into the esophagus and then when the stomach contents come in contact with the esophagus it can produce the classic symptoms what we already discussed earlier which is heartburn and regurgitation now I want to get rid of the myth about reflux reflux is not due to the production of too much acid in the stomach instead it is due to what I mentioned earlier is that it's due to the abnormal reflux of your stomach contents back into the esophagus or the feeding tube So, I mentioned the different barriers that basically prevent the contents of the stomach from flowing back up into the esophagus. So, when you have a defect, In those barriers or something that impacts those barriers, that's when you have the reflux of the stomach contents into the esophagus. So I mentioned that you have the breathing muscles, the diaphragm area that keeps the contents down into the stomach. So if you have muscle weakness, those muscles can become weak because of smoking, alcohol, just getting older, being overweight or obese or even pregnant. Some medications may also impact contents being refluxed back into the esophagus. So discussing different type of medications and potential side effects with your primary care provider or specialist would be helpful. Other causes include things such as certain types of foods, how fast you may be eating and how much you eat at a time. So large meals can impact individuals having these particular symptoms of reflux, as well as anatomical issues such as a hiatal hernia, which is when part of the stomach bulges up into the chest cavity through a hole in the diaphragm. The diaphragm separates the chest, the lungs from the contents as far as your stomach and the intestines below. And so if you have a small bulge of the stomach into that opening of the diaphragm, that can cause what we call hiatal hernia and lead to reflux into the esophagus. So we've talked about the symptoms as well as some of the causes of reflux. Now let's talk about how it's diagnosed. Now, a lot of individuals or should I say not many individuals need testing to diagnose reflux. However, a primary care physician or specialist may choose to do more tests to find out if the reflux has hurt your esophagus or shall I say the tubing that connects the mouth to the stomach. And so some of those tests include looking at an endoscopy with or without getting a tissue sample, such as a biopsy. That's another term for getting a tissue sample However, the endoscopy involves a lighted flex tube that goes down into the esophagus as well. And it looks for potential risk for precancerous or cancerous conditions. And that's why if there's something that is found or something that's abnormal or a mass or something that may be found, that's where a tissue sample such as a biopsy can be done and the tissue sample is sent off to the lab to see if there's any changes within the esophagus tissue. Also, there is another test that is used to diagnose reflux, and that is an upper GI. Basically, it's when you take in a liquid, and as you take in that liquid, x-rays are taken. As the fluid flows from your mouth down your esophagus into your stomach to see how it flows, is it normal, is any backflow, and that's how it's determined if there's any reflux. Also, it's able to pick up any anatomical defects that may be present within the esophagus as it leads from the mouth into the stomach. And so those are the two most common tests that are used to evaluate reflux. As well as there are additional tests, which I feel like is a little bit too much detail for this particular episode, but there are additional tests that can be done, especially in special situations or if the symptoms are difficult to control as it relates to reflux. But I definitely want to reemphasize again that not all patients will need special tests to diagnose reflux. Most of the time, it's based on symptoms as well as history from the patient. So now let's talk about the treatment for reflux. So the most common treatment that is recommended for reflux, and this is what I often recommend for most of my patients because I want to limit starting medications as much as possible. So the most common and most recommended is lifestyle modifications. So avoiding foods that trigger your symptoms as well as beverages. As well as avoiding chocolate, coffee, any type of uh, caffeinated beverages, peppermint, greasy or spicy foods, tomato based foods, alcoholic beverages, stop smoking, weight loss if you're overweight or obese. I should say and doing something as simple as waiting two to three hours after eating before laying down to go to sleep. Now, as it relates to medications, most individuals, before they even come to see the doctor, often sometimes try over-the-counter medications such as antacids. And so these are particular acid-blocking medications to help neutralize the acid that is in the stomach area. So some individuals may try AcoSeltzer, Maalox, Tums, things of that nature. However, the side effects with these type of medications may include diarrhea, which is basically loose stools, and constipation, hard stools, or trouble passing stools. And then there are other agents that block the flow into the stomach, or at least decrease the production of fluid into the stomach. So these can be the medicines such as Pepsid. It comes in a over-the-counter, as well as prescription strength, and they reduce stomach and the acid as well, but they work longer but not as quickly as the antacids that I mentioned. And the side effects that most often may be associated with these particular medications, such as headache, upset stomach, vomiting, constipation, diarrhea, and abnormal bleeding or bruising. Now, as it relates to the other medications that are often prescribed by medical providers, but they also may come in an over-the-counter option as well, but it may be at a lower dose. And those medications such as Prilosec, Prevacid, Protonix, and these are stronger at treating symptoms compared to the other two medications that I mentioned. So the most common side effects that may be associated with this particular medication or these particular medications could be anything from back pain, aching, cough, headache, dizziness, stomach discomfort, gas, nausea, throwing up, constipation, or diarrhea. Although I mentioned the different types of medications, there are a small number of individuals who fail to respond to medications as well as lifestyle modifications. So surgery may be an option for some of these individuals where they have a procedure that helps reduce the reflux. But I want to make sure that I mention that if you are an individual who may be taking some of these over-the-counter medications and think your symptoms are controlled with taking it, then I would recommend that if you have to take those medications at least two or more times a week and you haven't sought medical attention for those symptoms, I would recommend seek medical attention so you can have it evaluated by your medical doctor to determine that it is truly due to reflux versus some other diagnosis. Now let's talk about some of the potential long-term complications of reflux. One is called peptic stricture, or a stricture within the esophagus where it's basically your esophagus is narrowed by ulcer or some type of scarring. And strictures can make it hard to swallow, causing food to get stuck in the esophagus. Also, there may be an inflammation of the esophagus called esophagitis, where there's some swelling and irritation, which is how the stomach, or should I say the esophagus becomes inflamed as well as there may be problems breathing, such as asthma or chronic cough. And the other condition that may be related to long-term complications of reflux is Barrett's esophagus. And this is when there's a change in the tissue that lines the esophagus that puts a individual at increased risk for esophageal cancer. So this is something that should be monitored by a specialists such as a gastroenterologist who specializes in this condition and the most common type of esophageal cancer that may develop in the esophagus is called adenocarcinoma. Now I won't go into too much detail about adenocarcinoma for this episode but individuals need to know that that is a risk of esophageal cancer from Barrett's esophagus as it relates to long-term complications of having reflux. So I know I went through a lot of information, but it's important not only for you to know what is the cause of reflux, as well as the symptoms. And the other important fact is that it's important for you to know when to seek medical attention. So if you're using antacids or over-the-counter medications for reflux at least more than a couple of times a week, you should seek medical attention to have that further evaluated. As well as if you have been diagnosed with a uh, reflux and you haven't been having routine follow-up visits with your primary care doctor, then you should do so to make sure that you are not at risk for developing some of these long-term complications that I mentioned. And in general, it is a a common condition that is present throughout the U.S. population however I want to make sure that you are aware that it's not necessarily needed for you to have medications all the time a lot of things can improve with GERD through just lifestyle modifications as I mentioned earlier so I hope this has been informative I also want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast as well as share the podcast with your friends and family and encourage them to subscribe as well. And this is your host, Dr. Dion. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and feel free to tell your family and friends to check out the podcast. And remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only. And the thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice.